welcome to Behold, the podcast where we turn our all-seeing eye to the world of comic book adaptations and try to sort the super from the substandard. Who is we? Well, I'm your host, Andrew, and as usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Mick. Yes, a ten-year-old boy. Oh, wait a minute. Shazam! Right, here I am. Wow, what a magical transformation. (laughs) (laughs) The power of the gods verily doth run through me. Yep, the strength of Hercules, the stamina of Atlas, the wisdom of Solomon with a big question mark next to it. The wisdom of Solomon? I don't remember that Greek legend. Well, you don't remember famous Greek legend Solomon? No! I mean, I assume it's right there with the famous Greek legend of the Golden Apples. Almost certainly. And the famous Greek legend of the unicorns. Yes. Oh, we've we've already stumbled upon one of my criticisms of this film. <laughs> A point that probably no one else is going to care about, but that I was bloody incensed by. I mean, of all the things to have a problem with in this film, and there are many things to have a problem with in this film, the lack of consistency in its heritage is... I think quite low down the list. I mean, you can argue that, but I'm I'm still fuming. (laughs) It was bad enough when it was like (laughs) the lightning of Zeus and the speed of Mercury and you're mixing up your Greeks and your Romans. But this this one just throws all caution to the wind. It's just I'm fuming the gods, by the way. (laughs) Oh, for for regular listeners, uh, you you may have forgotten that Andrew is indeed the voice of the gods on Earth, uh, and therefore, when when filmmakers doth offend the gods, he doth rain upon them with a righteous fury. I mean, it is nice to know that like an entire pantheon of gods can't pronounce the word Aquaman sometimes. Well, <laughs> true. I think. I think that's to uh, I think that's to give that's the lie that gives to the truth of infallibility. That was far too profound for this film, Mick. It was far too profound for this podcast. Let's be honest. I mean, also. That... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so... to be fair, you know, our motto is "I watch, therefore I am." You know. So, yes, Shazam... Oh, no, it's already started. Here we go. <laughs> Shazam! Fury of the Gods. The 2023 film, which is a sequel to 2019's Shazam, directed by David F. Sandberg, written by Henry, Henry Gaiden and Chris Morgan, and based on the character Captain Marvel, not Shazam. The wizard is Shazam. He's Captain Marvel. Created by C.C. Beck and Bill Parker. So how familiar are you with Captain Marvel, Mick? I thought Brie Larson uh, Larson was excellent in the role. I quite enjoyed the first outing. Okay, good. We've done that one. Now we can give a big tick to that. Uh, Well, as you know, Andrew, and as regular listeners to the podcast will know, I have a checkered history 
with Captain Marvel, aka Shazam, in that when we were first talking about the first movie, the minute I said the word Shazam, my shower exploded and fell off the wall. And it, so it was I, an I, eerie coincidence. And so, you know, in the meantime, I have replaced said shower and it's been solid for the past getting on for four years. So I don't actually want to call them by their name very often, if that's all right with you. Thank you very much. Okay, but maybe if you say it enough times, this shower will then get hit by lightning and turn into a bigger shower, or sometimes the same shower but wearing a different costume. But I like this shower the way it is. I don't want it to be a bigger shower. Or the same shower wearing a different costume. And I certainly don't want it to lose all its power. Yeah, but that does mean... Because it's an electric shower and it'll be bloody cold if it loses all its power. See? Electric shower, it's already halfway there. Shazam 3. <laughs> shower of the gods. Oh, Mick, there's not going to be a Shazam 3. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! I was kind of hoping that the end of the DCEU would mean that there was no Shazam 2, but that was a vain hope, clearly. Yeah, well, unfortunately, this. I say unfortunately, because this one isn't very good. But yeah, unfortunately, this one came out before James Gunn kind of started cleaning yeah. house. Yeah. Um. So it's got Helen Mirren in it. It does indeed. But yeah, I think so... that's all the pros. Before we get too ahead of ourselves, probably before we jump into the synopsis, I'll just put it on the record. I quite like the comics character Captain Marvel. Like, I do very much like that idea of just, he's like a 12-year-old boy, and it's kind of that sort of ultimate wish-fulfillment thing of, I mean, obviously, when you were that age, you wanted to be a superhero, and yeah. then you got a little bit older, and then you were like, actually, man, being a superhero would be pretty neat, wouldn't it? And then yeah. you got a bit older, and you thought... I mean, actually, I'd probably just use my powers to, like, cook myself a sandwich a bit quicker. Yeah. Give some bacon that extra little crisp. Yeah. Um. <sighs> yeah. I never really read Captain Marvel comics. Well, I did, but they were the Marvel Captain Marvel yeah, the, comics. Yeah, the, the different Captain Marvel. Yeah, the other Captain Marvel um, I've never really read the Captain Marvel com comics. I don't have fond memories of the Shazam TV series. Um, so, and vis-a-vis -vis the shower incident that I mentioned earlier, I am not predisposed to enjoying Captain Marvel. With that being said, shall we get into the synopsis? Yeah. So, Following the events of the first film, Billy Batson and his foster siblings are continuing to use their superpowers to help out the city of Philadelphia. These powers involve being able to transform into an adult, 
with the wisdom of Solomon, the strength of Hercules, the stamina of Atlas, the power of Zeus, the courage of Achilles, and the speed of Mercury. Again, it's a mishmash of some are Greek, some are Roman. Solomon's none of those. Andrew, Andrew, Andrew. No. Take, take one of your tablets. Take one of your tablets. Chomp. Now swallow. Oh, I can't hide it behind my tongue anymore. No. Okay. I'm wide. Ah. Good boy. Now carry on. Okay. Anyway, as mentioned pre-rant, uh, their powers involve transforming from like a teenager to an adult. So I'm just going to list kind of all the kids, and then the actor who plays them as a kid, and the actor who plays them as like a super person. So Billy Batson is played by Asher Angel and Zachary Levi. Freddie Freeman is played by Jack Dylan Glazer and Adam Brody. Uh, Mary Bromfield, who is the oldest sibling, is actually just played by Grace Carroll and Curry in both forms. Eugene Choi is played by Ross Butler and Ian Chen. Pedro Pena is played by Joven Armand and DJ Catrona. And Dara Dudley is played by Faith Herman and Megan Good. So, despite their best intentions, the group are labelled the Philadelphia Fiascos, by the media due to the large amount of property damage caused by their escapades or allegedly caused by their escapades because we never actually see them do that much bad stuff no it's not like when you see the whole rampaging through new york is it or you know yeah it's okay, well we'll probably cycle back to that at some point when we're doing yeah. the, the discussion part so meanwhile the goddesses hespera played by Helen Mirren, and Calypso, played by Lucy Liu, who are the daughters of Atlas, arrive on Earth and steal the staff of the wizard who gave Billy his powers. The daughters want to use the staff to take back the Shazamli's powers. Which, God, nope, just saying Shazamli feels very weird. Yes. It's a, it's a portmanteau too far. <laughs> anyway, they want to steal those powers, which were stolen from them by the wizard in the first place. Uh, the third daughter of Atlas, Anthea, played by Rachel Zegler, poses as a student and is able to trick Freddy into transforming into his superpowered form, allowing Hespera and Calypso to take his powers. They then capture Freddy and throw him in a cell with the wizard, Rebajiman Haosu, who was thought to have died in the previous movie. And then don't worry, Mick. I'm going to skip over about half the film by just saying everyone runs through a series of doors while basically Yakety Sax plays. <laughs> oh, if only. If only that's what they'd done. Yeah, but basically that but stretched out over like 30 or 40 minutes. Yeah. So the upshot of this is that the daughter's plan was actually to steal a golden apple that will let them restore their realm. Only Calypso betrays the other two, stabs Hespera, and plants the apple on Earth, unleashing an army of monsters. She also steals everyone's powers except Billy's. Uh, while everyone else distracts the monsters, Billy convinces Hespera to help him and steals the staff back. Hespera then traps Calypso in a magic dome with Billy, 
who then overcharges the staff with lightning, causing it to explode, sacrificing himself to destroy Calypso and the bad tree that she made. Everyone is sad, but then Wonder Woman, played by Gal Gadot, shows up and fixes everything, including bringing Billy back to life by just grabbing the staff and doing a magic. And then there's some potions. I think you want to rephrase that bit. I've seen Wonder Woman 1984. I don't think I do want to rephrase that. <laughs> anyway, then there's some post-credit stuff, but it doesn't matter because this franchise is dead. So who cares about the sequels that they're trying to set up? Well, I mean, to be fair, I didn't care about this sequel, but they did it anyway. Yeah, this this film doesn't make sense, does it, Mick? No. Like, I know asking you this is probably going to be a bit of a folly because you watched this weeks ago compared to me who watched it this morning. But I feel like I missed something because I... Like, the Daughters of Atlas taking the Shazam powers back, that's not actually got anything to do with their plan to steal the apple and use that to restore the, the god stuff, right? Well, I, yeah, I, I think what it is is that that is um, Calypso's plan and I don't think she's let the others in on it. Well, no, because even then Hespera wanted to, like, because she did a whole thing where she did the classic lazy villain trope of allowing herself to get captured so that she can be taken to the Rock of Eternity, so that they should then break out and then steal the apple, because she wants to use it to fix her realm. Yes, but Calypso I think... wants to use it to destroy Earth. Yes, I, but... I think it's that bit that she's kept from everybody else. Um, yeah, but also but all of that has still... nothing to do with stealing... stealing powers. No. Unless they need to steal the powers in order to supercharge the staff in order to supercharge the apple which swallowed the fly that wriggled and wiggled and tickled inside her, perhaps she'll die. What? No. Ah, it's only as mixed up as Shazam. Yeah. I mean, that's that's just in general one of the big problems for me is like, none of it makes sense. It's very no. much that, oh, things are magic, so just whatever does whatever we need it to do for this scene. Yeah, and so you've got a combination here of, of of two things going on. You've got because comics and because magic. And as a result, uh, the filmmakers think that they can just do anything and the audience will swallow it. Well, God damn it, no, we won't. Why is there a big room full of doors? Yeah. Also, why do the villains have their whole plan? if there's a door connecting their base to the Rock of Eternity. Yeah. Like, wh wh why does the spirit need to get herself captured? Why can't she just go through that door? Also, um, right, as you mentioned, it's not a memorable film. How did they get the staff? Who was in possession of the staff originally? I know the wizard had it, yeah, so the wizard had it, then Savannah stole it in the first film, 
Yeah. And apparently Billy snapped it in half. Yeah. And just chucked it away. And then it got found and sent to Greece where they put it in the museum. And then at the start of this film, Hespera and Calypso steal it. That's right. Yes, that's a nice simple MacGuffin, isn't it? Yeah. It's speaking of that and the MacGuffin and magic nonsense. Why does Billy need to kill himself? Why can't he just be like, right, I've got the staff, give staff to Wizard. Wizard yeah. undoes all the magic y nonsense. Yeah. But no, he has to explode, which releases a blast of energy, which is strong enough to destroy the bad magic tree, but apparently not strong enough to destroy like the bubble that Hespera puts around them. No. Well, presumably that's that's the whole purpose of the bubble. You know, it's a super bubble. It's a magic bubble. But it's a magic bubble that's more magic than the other magic. Well, yeah. It's the kind of bubble that John Travolta would have loved to have lived in. Now there's an old man's reference. I don't know what you're talking about, much like I don't know what the film Shazam the Fury of the Gods is talking about. Right. Look up the boy in the plastic bubble. Right. I will. Not right now, though, because we're doing a podcast. Yeah. See, professionalism. But it'd be more interesting than Shazam Fury of the Gods. <laughs> God, it really would. Yeah. I've... Uh... It has had one advantage. If you remember when we did our Ant-Man episode, I was saying that I was jaded and not looking forward to Marvel movies anymore. Well, this has given me an appetite for Guardians of the Galaxy 3 now. Because it's, it's just, not a DC movie. Because it's just got to be more fun than this one. Yeah. <laughs> um, it makes no sense. Uh even Helen Mirren can't save it. I hope she got paid a lot of money for it. Uh, you know, I don't think either Helen Mirren or Lucy Liu uh, were sitting by the phone waiting for their Oscar phone call for this film. Um... Yeah, but I feel like at least Lucy Liu gets to be a bit, like, silly and over the top when she's full-on villain. Yeah. Um, there's... There's a lot of lore to catch up on. Both Shazam lore, because it was about halfway through when I went, oh yeah, I remember they're in a foster home. Yeah, it's definitely a film that just assumes you remember the first film. Yeah, which is a it's, it's a brave assumption, considering how awful that was. I mean, it was basically Tom Hanks big at Christmas. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a point we'll disagree on, because I actually quite like the first Shazam. Yeah. But at least we can agree that this one's no good. Yes. I mean, I, I, I can see the appeal of Shazam as a Christmas time family movie 
about a bunch of kids who get powers. Starting off with Billy and then eventually spreading to the other kids. I get that. I can see how, you know, I can sit at, around the dinner table during the holidays, watching that with my grandchildren and them enjoying it and me going, wait me up when dinner's ready. Um, I get that. I just can't see anybody enjoying this one. Yeah. Mainly because it, it feels like history homework. Yeah, I think it's it's a big problem that you see with a lot of sequels is that where Shazam 1 worked, at least for me, is that it's quite a simple story overall. It's just, yeah. you know, guy gets powers, bad guy also gets powers, they have a punch-up, and that leaves more time to focus on like the kids just, you know, having their fun little adventures. Yeah. And that's kind of where the heart of the film is. But this one, because it's the second one, feels like it has to be, you know, bigger and more grand. So it just starts throwing in all this lore and mythology. And it's just, it's too much. And it's yeah. all like shoved in and doesn't really work. And none of it gets the service it requires because there's just too much of it. You know, you'd, you'd end up with an eight hour movie to, to do it all. And, you know, Zack Snyder wasn't involved on this one. Yeah, like... I think we, we barely even see, like, the realm of the gods, do we? No, and this is... This is it. It's not even the fury of the gods, is it? It's the slight... It's the slight displeasure of the daughters of the gods. Although yeah, that's the, not a snazzier title. The mild irritation of these ones. <laughs> The crankiness of the daughters of the gods. Let me tell you, Helen Mirren has just woken up and she's bloody livid. <laughs> she stopped Billy Batson's pocket money, I tell you. <laughs> and that's another thing. I feel like, and it's just, you know, the nature of time being a linear thing. Billy Batson's too old. Yes. Like, an 18-year-old who can turn into an adult just isn't as much fun as, like, an actual kid who does it. Yeah. And, espe um... and especially now, I feel like Billy Batson, played by Asher Angel, and Captain Marvel, played by Zachary Levi, just really don't feel like the same person. No, well, to me, they never did. They're not, there's no familiar, there's, there's no, there's no real logical path that says this is who this kid would grow up to be. You know, they don't look similar, they don't sound similar, there's nothing. See, I feel like in the first one they behaved kind of similarly, but in this one, like Billy seems a lot more mature compared to Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah. And there's all that, there's all that teenage business with Wonder Woman at the end. Yeah. Yeah, right. which just, I mean, again, seems like very much much of men in their 30s and 40s writing what they think a teenager sounds like. Yeah. Uh, 
and it's a little bit lazy. Yeah. Um, so, were there any good things in it? Um, I feel like I, I quite liked the way that Anthea's powers were shown. Remind me? Where she, like, does weird... They say she's the goddess of access. So she right. things like, spin all the rooms around and, like, wave her hands about. And she's, like, whooshing through the city. Right. Yeah. Although, that being said, that was probably the only thing in this film that looked good. Yeah. There a lot were... of it just looked like generic CGI magic nonsense, didn't it? Yeah, there was also some like very obvious green screen in this, like any time Lucy Lee was flying around on a dragon. Yeah. Which, listeners, is not a euphemism. No, no it isn't. And maybe in a different film, that sentence would be a cool thing. Yes. Maybe they should have used that as the tagline for the marketing. Lucy Lou rides the dragon. Yeah, I might have actually gone to see this in the cinemas if they had. Mm. Or not, like, genuinely forgotten it existed. <laughs> I mean, listeners, that's why I watched it this morning. Because Mick yeah. sent me a message, with, ready to do Shazam Fury for the girls. Like, oh my God, that film. <laughs> that was the film we said we'd do. <laughs> yes, it's it's a two-hour film, and we've managed to talk about it for twenty-six minutes, and we're already struggling. We have. I mean, I, I can complain about more things. I, I mean, if if I don't stop you, your rant about the inconsistency of the mythology could last longer than the film itself. It's just the world tree is from Norse mythology, Mick. The, and like the golden apples of immortality, that's Norse, not Greek. And they so they go out of their way to be like, oh no, they're bringing in a bunch of things from Greek mythology. No, they're not unicorns are like European. I'm pretty sure they're there's also You've got a bunch of Greek mythology stuff. You want to have a magic horse. Greek mythology has its own magic horse. What a bloody Pegasus is. Just get your facts straight. And that dragon, don't get me started. How does that dragon fly, Mick? Look at those raggedy wings. <laughs> That's not aerodynamic. Yeah, but according to aerodynamic theory, bumblebees can't fly. Oh, you're right. I forgot this science is made of nonsense. We don't actually know anything. And and not only that, but also that dragon is magic. So it doesn't need to follow the laws of aerodynamic. Well, then why does it flap its wings, Mick? Well, it probably... It's probably why, thinking, why even have wings if it doesn't need them to fly? Probably thinking, I better make this look, look like I'm putting in some effort. Otherwise, Lucy Lou will be on me back all night. Hey, oh. hey, hey, <laughs> you're welcome. But no, you're right. Heaven forbid that dragon effect looked, looked unconvincing in any single scene. 
yeah, it yeah. is just it's the same grey washed out CGI we've seen a hundred times. Yeah, it's. And I don't know. Actually, no. I think in this case, it is the fault of the filmmakers. In other cases, I'm wondering whether it's just we're all a little bit jaded by the BFX-laden superhero world now. What we want is a director brave enough to strip it back and make all our superheroes look like 1966 Batman. Yeah. Oh, actually, that's that's the thing I didn't mention. They kill Batman in this film. Because there's a teacher in the school who Calypso kills, and he's played by Diedrich Bader, who is the voice oh. of Batman in Batman the Brave and the Bold. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, no, I just spotted that. I'm sure of it. Yeah, the, yeah. Of, of all the things to not remember about the film, that's quite a big one. <laughs> yeah, do you not remember Mick, right, when you know Ben Affleck flies in his bat plane, but then the dragon just eats it out of the sky? No, no, I would definitely have remembered that bit. Yeah, maybe that was when I fell asleep. I'll be, I'll be honest. I thought that the minute Gal turned up. Reprising her role as Wonder Woman, perhaps for the final time. That was when I sat up and started paying attention. I thought, oh, it could get good now. Oh, no, it's just a tacked on bit at the end. Yeah, tacked on bit that doesn't make any sense. It Well, do you know what it feels like? It feels like the kind of tacked on bit that you get when test audiences don't react well to the death of the central character. Yeah, but I, I can't believe that there was ever a point when they were actually going to, like, kill him off. Or... Maybe the maybe the plan was to bring him back in a sort of Obi-Wan type way. Yeah, or maybe, like, leave it as a cliffhanger for a third film, potentially. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, is there a... I mean... There is an evil version, isn't there? There's Black Adam. Well, he's more of an anti-hero version, isn't he? Yeah, well, I mean, originally in the comics, he was just like the evil version of Captain Marvel. Yeah. But in so, the films, he can't be because The Rock refuses to be in those films. So, um, I guess the, there was probably a plan for a third film to maybe consist of the two of them Clashing, merging. Potentially, except for the fact that I wasn't joking before, The Rock genuinely like refuses to have anything to do with the Shazam franchise. Because he only wants to fight Superman. Right. Which, again, is a moot point now. Yeah. Yeah. It's not Black Adam, it's Teth Adam. Oh, that's right, because he's he's not Black Adam as of the end of that film. Maybe. Did he go back to Teth Adam? I don't remember. Let's hope that The Flash is a satisfying DC movie with a man with a bolt of lightning on his chest. 
Oh, you mean the uh, the Batman movie? Yes. The Michael Keaton Returns movie. That's right. Also featuring Ezra Miller, whatever you do, don't Google them. Yeah. Yeah, that that'll that'll be a film. Yeah. There 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 there's a man for whom the tagline fastest man alive would be like the blessing. If that's what his description was in the real world. Yeah, we only had to briefly experience Ezra Miller in our lives. Yeah. (sighs) But no, it's fine, Mick. The the Flash movie is going to have lots of things in it, so it has to be good. Lots of things, yes. That's that's how you make good superhero films, is the more things you cram into them, the better they are. Right, okay. Why did Spider-Man 3 not work, then? Because I'm lying, Mick, that's why. (laughs) Because that's actually become that's become the the phrasing, hasn't it? It's a thing. He's Spider-Man three. The hell out of that. Yeah, that is like the gold standard of. Oh no, you've put too much in this film. Yeah. But yeah, which is ironic because Shazam two has a lot of things and also doesn't have enough of things. It has a lot of things very briefly. Yeah, basically. Um, and at various times, it feels like you're watching something else. So Lucy Liu feels like she belongs more in Shang-Chi. What with her flying around on a magical dragon. Oh, yeah, there was magical dragons in that film. Yeah. Um... The whole thing feels like DC wanted to do a Game of Thrones movie. Maybe crossed over with Vikings. Yeah, it definitely feels like there were like three or four different scripts that they've just like mashed into each other. Maybe what they did was they said, right, for Shazam 2, what we'll do is we'll we'll find our four favourite Marvel movies and remake them. And those are Shang-Chi, Thor, Thor the Dark World, (laughs) everyone's favourites. The Eternals and the Inhumans, which Which technically wasn't a movie. Well, I suppose they did show the first two episodes in IMAX. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, to go back to what I was saying before in the synopsis... Like, you've got that whole subplot of, you know, they're called the Philadelphia fiascos. They're not really working that well together as a team. And then you just never really see that. Yeah. Like, I think actually the only thing they do, like, collectively as a super team is the stuff with the collapsing bridge. And the idea is they're kind of failures because they don't stop the bridge from collapsing. Yeah, but like we don't see them not stop it, so we don't know like why no. is that there for. And what we do see is them like quite competently rescuing people. Yeah, yeah. It, it... I 
And actually, I think even worse than that is you've then got the other subplots of Freddy's annoyed because Billy's, like, being very overbearing. Yeah. But then they're barely in any scenes together. Yeah. In fact, Asher Angel himself, I think, is only in, like, ten minutes of this film. Yeah. It, it's neither it's neither one thing nor the other, is it? It's 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 not heroes trying to win over public opinion. It's not teenagers trying to get over their own sort of like group dynamic issues. Um, Freddie falling for a teenage Greek goddess. Well, you know. That's going to happen, isn't it? Yeah. Also, again, I mentioned Wonder Woman 1984. And even they make a joke of it in this film. But they also go out of their way to point out that Anthea is 6,000 years old. Yes. And Freddy is like 17. And that's just a bit... It's a bit Twilight, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's... Yeah, it there's all of Zach Levy's humour as Shazam is or Captain Marvel, whichever you prefer. It's all a bit puerile. Which to be fair, in the first film worked because Billy Batson was like thirteen, fourteen years old. Now he's an adult nearly. He's going to turn 18. He's leaving the foster care system. It's not going to be as puerile the humour. Yeah, exactly. That, that's what I meant. There's been is. no development. And he's had four years worth of exposure to presumably supervillains and bad Actually, guys. No, and... two years. Two years? Yeah, because I remember in the post-credits... Mark Strong shows back up as Dr. Savannah and he states that he's been in prison for two years. Right. So presumably this film is set two years after the last one. Right. But yeah, it's still, as you say, Billy Batson has grown up and matured. And like, again, in the brief time you do see Asher Angel on screen, he does come across a lot more like mature than you think. Worldly wise. Yeah. 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 So it's not just poor, it's inconsistently poor. Yeah. He also, speaking of his humor, does that thing that I always find grating, where a lot of his jokes are just like yelling out a reference to something. Yeah. Like the bit where he's fighting Lucy Lou and he just says, Hey, Khaleesi, heads up. He's yeah. Like, yep, that's that's Game of Thrones. I, I get that reference. Yeah. Great. Yeah. That's like, I just, there's no joke there beyond going, Oh, I recognize that. Yeah, that's a woman on a thing. That I've yeah. seen somewhere else. Yeah. <sighs> so I think what we're saying here is that we didn't enjoy this movie very much. No. Oh, actually, there, there was one bit I did enjoy. What? So, just a, a bit of backstory for this bit. There's a scene where all the kids, like, get a bunch of unicorns and Dala like feeds them Skittles 
And then she rides into battle. And you're like, taste the rainbow, motherfucker. And then gets cut <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that, that, was... that did actually make me laugh. Yes. Yeah. And although that said, her feeding Skittles to a unicorn, you could feel that gag putting its shoes on, coming down the stairs, setting itself up with a coffee and a plate of uh, sausage and mash, and settling in for the night. Oh yeah, it was. It was not, you know, the most subtle of beats. <laughs> but it was something at least. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. I suppose it's time for the inevitable ranking of yeah. Shazam. Boy, I, I wonder where this one's going to go on our list of films going from A History of Balance at number one all the way down to Spawn at number 51. Okay. Uh, it will be harsh to make it as bad as Spawn simply just because of it's got Gal Gadot in yeah and I think as much as we've been down on it it does have at least a basic level of competence that I think takes it out of the like really appalling stuff like Man-Thing and Catwoman and Nick Fury Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> So, what's what's the next batch above? Um, well, Howard the Duck, I guess, is now our. Yeah, so bad the... it's good it's... baseline, isn't it? Yeah, Howard the Duck's not too bad. That's in at number 45, which, if we rolled back kind of a year or so. We is... never thought it was going to shift off the bottom, did we? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we thought that was locked in. Yeah. Uh, so I think... Well, actually, I suppose to give a little chunk of the list, at number 35, we've got Catwoman Hunted. Number 36, we've got Venom 2. Number 37, which is why I've picked around here, we've got Wonder Woman 84, which I've mentioned a few times. Mm. Uh, number 38, we've got Eternals. Number 39, we've got the uh, the Snyder Cut of Justice League. Number 40, we've got Edge of Tomorrow. Number 41, we've got Green Lantern, Beware My Power. Right. It's definitely above Justice League. Snyder Cut. Oh, Simply yeah. by virtue of being shorter. Yeah, it's it's a less grueling experience than that film was. Yeah. Um, and despite the problems with it, I probably would watch Wonder Woman 84 again. Not so much with Shazam Fury of the Gods. Yeah. I think Wonder Woman 84 like, probably has worse problems. But it also has a lot more that I genuinely like in that film. Yeah. Yes. I mean, personally, I would put Eternals above this. 
Yeah, I, I need to watch Eternals. I don't think I was in the right frame of mind to watch Eternals, to be fair. I think I was very tired and um, I'm not going to say emotional because I'm not an emotional guy. But I think I I was a little bit at a low ebb when I watched Eternals. I may give it another crack at some point. Oh, exciting. Could it be if we do, if you do, we could potentially have our first re-evaluation? Well, you see, sticky ground, having a first re-evaluation. Because if we have a re-evaluation, that's us admitting that we're fallible. That's true, and as mentioned before, you at least are definitely not fallible. Exactly. I'd have never experienced a technical problem a day in your life. That's right. You're right, I feel like that's a can of worms. Yeah. For better or worse, our word is law. That's right. So what, what we could do is we could find out some clever technical way of opening it up to our listeners and saying, how would you order these films? And then we can tell them that they're wrong. We could indeed, but also more importantly, Joe, I've just realised after essentially saying that I am the law. Yeah. We've not done dread yet. That's true. We've not done dread yet. And we should do dread because that film is great. Yes. Although the fact that we've just prejudged it by going, that film was great. Should yeah, we? Ma- might have spoiled our hand a bit. Yeah. Should we, for the sake of balance, do a Mega City 1 special. Oh, Dread and Judge Dread. Yes. All the Dread. We could have a dreadful episode. Yes. And suddenly one of those films is both those things. <laughs> oh, Stallone. <laughs> I know people complain about him taking his helmet off, but I don't think having it on would have helped. <laughs> no, the lines would have been even more unintelligible. Anyway. What even was this film? Shazam Fury! I forgot what <laughs> film <laughs> That's how much this film the just... The film's so on. bad you can't remember the title of it by the end of the episode of talking about it. Okay, Shazam Fury of the Gods is going to go in as our new 39, just under Eternals. There we go. Cool. And on the plus side, we have we will have no more Shazam movies to talk about. Exactly, we don't have to worry about a Shazam 3. Yes. So, I think that's about it from us. If you want to listen to more, you can find all our episodes on the feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you subscribe to the show, you'll make sure you never miss an episode. If you want to get in touch, our email is beholdpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at beholdpod. Also, if you are a fan, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review on your podcast app of choice or just recommended us to a friend. 
It's the best way for us to grow as a show and reach new listeners. So that's everything. Until next time, I've been Andrew. And I've been Mick. So long and thanks for listening.